I want people just to embrace that fear. When the heart is saying yes, the brain is saying no. The fear has never gone away, but I've learned to channel it. Mm. And now I thrive on it. But I just knew through the lessons that my parents taught me, family and faith, uh, that you got to choose those first. I just said, if this is God's plan, I'll get the call back. And I'm so much more comfortable talking about my faith now, which has been a huge blessing to find that courage. I was a nobody, and he literally encouraged my heart. Here's why I want to bring it up. You're doing great. You're at the top of your game. Everybody knows that you're legit. Did you feel lonely? Oh, my gosh. I think that was the... That's a word that I try not to say because it tends to make me get choked up. I was broken. Right. Broken at the fact that my leadership chose. Yeah. They made decisions. Right. To not support. I now know why God put me on this earth. Mm. And that is to stand up for others who are afraid. I've never been more proud of myself, even though I don't like to say that. Is it possible to thrive in a toxic work environment. My guest this episode is Sage Steele, awarded and prolific broadcaster, recently left ESPN, and her situation very public and well-known. And in this conversation, we talk about what it's like to feel abandoned by your leader, the extreme loneliness, where faith and family come in and helping us stay the course when we can't leave right away. It's jam-packed with a lot of goodness that will equip you and encourage you if you or a friend or family member are going through a situation like this. Here's my conversation with Sage Steele. So, Sage, I want to find out, when was the first moment that you can actually remember that you had this thought of, all right, I think I may want to go into broadcasting. I may (laughs) want to be on TV. Is that something that hits you early? Early. Really? Like how early? Age 11. No way. What was the inspiration? Were you watching something? I was watching the 1984 Olympics. No way. Yep. I, I was, so what great is that? Whatever. 11 years old, living yeah. in Colorado Springs. Yes. Um, my dad was military. Yep. We were stationed at Fort Carson. We had just moved from Belgium to Colorado Springs and I was watching the Olympics. And I'd always been a, a you know, a big sports fan and watched sports with my dad my whole life and ran track, uh, not well, but you know, called myself an athlete. And I remember though, from my little track meets, how I felt walking to the starting line of a race. And then watching the Olympics, knowing, okay, if I felt like I was going to vomit, <laughs> you know, right. this is in front of the entire planet. Yeah. You've worked your entire life for this one moment. How do you not completely lose it? How, how do you have the mental fortitude, that toughness to focus and have the best performance of your life in this one opportunity? Wow. And I wanted to know that, how they did it. I wanted to, to tell their stories. It w- I was in awe of the top level athletes at a young age. All right. So at 11, so what happens from there? So I tell my parents at the dinner table with my little brothers and can I was, when I say shy, like weirdo shy. Really? Yeah. Super quiet. And, um, just, I didn't talk much to people outside of our family. Okay. I don't know why it's just who I was. And I still have that in me. Now I don't know your father, but I've watched all the stories. We've known each other for several years Mm -hmm. now. And I've watched the stories about you. He strikes me as more quiet, solemn, stoic yes. compared to your mom. She yes. seems like a like I think I'd love to have tea with your mom. Oh, you she would. strikes me as a live wire. You wouldn't get a word in edgewise. Um, <laughs> That's half great. Irish, half Italian from West Springfield, Mass. And then yes, my dad is as, as the uh, his father was also in the military. His yep. father was a Buffalo soldier. Yep. Um, and my dad at West Point. His brother went at the same time. So to have two 
black young men at West Point in the mid 60s who were both good oh, athletes huge. was just. And by the way, I want to say this for our audience, just frame of reference for your heritage. Sage's father, the first black football player at Army. Varsity, yes. yes. Varsity, yes. yes. But I mean, he was a stud. He was a, it wasn't just he was first, amazing. He wasn't a token, let's try this. Oh, the no. dude could flat I watched his highlights. What? I did. You did? Yeah, yeah. He can flat out catch the ball. So uh, think about that time, too. Six, six and a half, yeah. 220. You didn't see that kind of size no. back then. No. He was choosing between West Point, playing at Army, and Joe Paterno at Penn State. Yeah. And here's and, what's cool about him. He's the prototype now. Yeah. That's what your tight ends are now. They better be. Don't show up if you're 6'3". But don't come 220. You need to be 250, 240, <laughs> yeah. 252, oh, yeah. you right? Run over it's somebody. amazing. So anyway, I... I you were my, very shy. My parents were like, you're going to have to not be shy if you want right. to do this. And I I mean, I, I immediately went back into a shell because I, I, I don't know what it was. They were literally told by friends to take me to doctors to get her seen because she needs to talk. Really? So I think for them, when you look at where my career ended up going... That's why they watched every day because they're still in shock. <laughs> yeah. Who is <laughs> like, this how, girl? Who is this yeah. child? Not child. When does that change? When does your it's taken years? It's really? Take, it's still. It wasn't like high school. All of a sudden, you no. are really no. Because then moving, 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 and then had to move senior year across the country. Yeah. Um, and start over, and it ends up that I stood out more because I was at a high school that out of two thousand students, I was the only student, only black student, out of two thousand. So. I didn't see that. I didn't care. I was in the military. You really are colorblind. It's just we're all loving each other and supporting yeah. each other. It was such a, a beautiful environment to grow up in. And then you leave that um, still in the Army, but we had to live off post and went to a school that was incredible outside of Indianapolis. Um, but I stood out, and that was the first time I experienced racism, um, open racism and comments. Mm -hmm. And there were the majority of people were incredible, of course, but those yeah. few instances changed me. Um, and I realized, oh, wow, I am different. Yeah. And so I actually would go into more of a shell um, as a senior in high school, but still had this dream that, that I had been challenged by my dad. Like, if you want to do this, then you're going to have... First of all, there were no women in the 80s when I was watching those Olympics, especially any that looked like me on a national level doing of sports, much not. less local. That just was yeah. non-existent. So it... I don't even know. I look back like, where where did this come from? Because quite often we see somebody, we go, oh, they look like me. That means maybe I can do it too. Yeah. Or they have the same upbringing. And I didn't have that. So I do think it's there's divine intervention there for yeah, sure. sure. Um, but I also knew I wanted to, I loved what sports, how it made us feel as a family, mm -hmm. how it brought us together. And I felt at a young age um the incredible just watching sports when you can yeah. look at giant stadium on a football Sunday mm -hmm. and there's 85,000 people yeah. cheering for the same team. And it doesn't matter yeah. your politics, your race, your dem any demographic doesn't matter. We all came together and mm -hmm. I felt that a, at a young age. So I just kept pushing to be able to get in there in mm. the room, even though you didn't stories. see somebody who looked like you. And that has yeah. to be a very difficult thing to, to go, okay, I want this, but is it possible? I didn't question it as much you as didn't. I should have. Okay, so that's great. So I you had were just parents like, who encouraged me, like, what do you want to do? Yeah. Okay, well, then how are we going to do it? You're going to have to start by talking more. Let's <laughs> yeah, begin with right, that. Right, you right. know. And then uh, my dad would quiz me because he's like, you know, you're going to be with the boys. All right, right. We, well, you better know. So if we were watching, you know, an NFL game, he would have me memorize oh, man. the that's players, awesome. the name. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. But then jersey number, 
um, obviously position, college. And so that taught me to be super prepared because then you fast forward to going into NFL locker rooms, NBA locker rooms, yeah. and say there's 18 reporters, they're all men, and then it's you. Right. So when you ask a question, mm. if you can you know, right. make room to have your question heard, you're going to sound different. Yeah. Your question better be spot on yeah. because otherwise everybody screeching halt. They look when I would ask a question because mm -hmm. who's this mm -hmm. youngster and you know, I'm not a big guy with a big voice. So I felt I had to be extra prepared more so than any of the men yeah. to be heard and be respected. Right. And, and, and how much of beyond race, how much of the fact that, that you're a woman who is attractive and you're early on in this and it's kind of like how long did it take for like dudes within the entire sports industry to start to respect you not just see you as oh this is a woman who looks very different still mm, not there or no i'm there yeah. for sure oh um, i know and, you and are the, but how long did no, it I mean, take as far as uh, as i think the way i'm viewed even yeah. though listen one of the best things about the past few years of you know kind of a roller coaster has been letting go of what people think right and and Love beginning that. to not care anymore Ooh. even though it hurt oh sure and it still can hurt yeah but now i realize for the most part maybe it's something i've said something i it was intended a different way or mm -hmm. um but I've been hated for all kinds of reasons, including my hair that's non-traditional, that bosses right. would say change, right. or that I didn't like because I looked different, more different than I right. already was. And what a beautiful place to get to when you can not mm. care what others think. So that, right. has, that has really helped. But otherwise, um, oh, it took, it took, I don't know, my fifth job, wow. fourth or fifth job. And trust me, I had dear friends who I would find out about, men, who I would find out that said, well, you know the only reason why she's here. Even though, I mean, one of them I was in their wedding and he right. was still saying things about mm -hmm. why why I have that job. Right. Um, and you know, hey, whatever it takes to get in the door, maybe they did need to check some diversity boxes in the HR department. Sure. Hey, we all but need will, a couple breaks. Absolutely, yeah. but then the thing is, and this is what I've told young women and men who are interested in the industry, fine, you might get in for this reason, or maybe your dad knows somebody, your mom knows somebody, mm -hmm. give, give them a shot. They're not going to keep you yeah. if you're not bringing it because yeah. it comes down to the bottom line. That's true. So you might get in, but what does it take to stay? It's true. And I, I stayed. You did. Well, you were very good. I mean, I can tell you as a sports fan, if I'm watching Sports Center and you're brutal at going through the highlights, <laughs> you're done. Pretty much. You're done. You got you sports fans aren't very forgiving. No, we are not. We are not. All right. So let's keep going here. So you're a shy high schooler. Yeah. Can't get you to say anything, <laughs> but you stick with it. You want to be there. Take me to the college decision and moving through the major. I want to know, like, did you know, was there a moment where you were like, this is absolutely my thing? Was it at college when you were pursuing it or already, was it later? I, I you still knew. I knew. No doubt at all. Zero. Love that. So the cool thing about Carmel High School in Indianapolis is that it's um, it's very nice. I think now there's like 6,000 students. They won't right. split up the school. They win every state championship. Right. So back then about 2,000, but the resources were incredible. So they had amazing radio and television studios. This is, I graduated in no 1990. Kidding. yeah. So in the late 80s, they had amazing studios for kids to, and, and I only came senior year, so I didn't get to right. get into the TV studios, but some radio. Um, and that, you know, the classes just continued to drive home what I wanted to do um, because I came as a senior and didn't know anybody and my grades really fell. Uh, so I actually didn't apply almost anywhere. Really? Just to um, IUPUI. Yeah. Um, and IU Purdue in Indianapolis is what it stands for. Yeah. And um, and I was just I just decided to live at home that first year because 
I didn't want the embarrassment of getting no's from all the schools that I maybe wanted to go to because my grades had fallen so much from the some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes um, that I just said, forget it. I'll just stay. And then I had a horse um, and I was doing the equestrian thing on my dad's measly military salary. I still don't know how they did it, Mm. um, but it changed my life. That helped actually bring me out of some shyness. The horse. Horses are very therapeutic. That's what I hear. But I'm just curious, like, how did that? Well, you feel um, I, I gained confidence in knowing that this animal needed me. Okay. To stay alive. Right. And then as a friend. Okay. And I didn't have too many friends um, mm-hmm. just because I was new and sure. different. Yeah. And he was my friend. So, no, okay. so. no, it doesn't. It's um, actually quite beautiful. Yeah. Because it gets your, your heart to a place where you're ready to get back in the game. Correct. And that's how you get to Indiana, University of Indiana. Well, so Is then, it, wait, did you just say University of Indiana? I, and I Can stopped. Swip, it's swip, Indiana swip. University. Thank you. I know. I caught Goodness myself. Gracious sports fan I know. Well, I'm so. not, listen, I don't really consider them very relevant <laughs> as a Michigan fan, so oh, pardon me. wow. Pardon me for not getting it right. No, I, I kid. Okay, we better leave that alone because you're right. We should. Because you're right. We should. <laughs> um, an old childhood friend from living when we lived in Panama actually yeah. so we'd lived all wow. over the world yeah Greece Belgium all over um she went to Notre Dame and so I'm in Indianapolis and she's like why don't you come up for the weekend we hadn't seen each other in you know 15 years so um I went up for the weekend to South Bend and realized what I was missing mm-hmm. I had no idea yeah. what it was like to be in a dorm and to be around just kids and just the environment of a college campus I'd never been on one yeah so um I went oh my gosh I got to fix this. So I drove home and I said, mom and dad, I'm going to transfer to IU instead of IUPUI. Mm-hmm. Go down to Bloomington. So I filled out the form. I never even visited Bloomington, but I knew they had. So I could, it's an easy transfer from IUPUI from IU or to IU or Purdue. Sure. And I looked at the majors and IU had just started um, a sports communication broadcast major. You okay. could choose broadcast or print. And I'm like, oh, that's for me. Sign that's up, awesome. go. So I didn't even go on campus. I just signed up. Did the the transfer intercampus transfer the next fall, um, and was all in. Love it. First gig, first broadcasting gig out of school. What was it? South Bend, back to uh, South Bend. Was it sports? Um, no. Weather? No. Traffic? It was. It was uh, I've run out of how my. How about list. this? How about this? It was. I was a news trainee. What does that mean? They created a position for me. All right. Because I was not ready to do any of those roles. That's fantastic. South Bend was like market eighty five, so a yeah. good medium sized market yeah. for somebody who's zero experience. Right. And guess how I got that job? Um, the GM of the station, the late Jim Freeman, who was such a wonderful mentor to me, did a favor for his fraternity brother, mm-hmm. who was the head of the IU Foundation in Bloomington, Bill Armstrong, who saw something in me. I met him waiting tables. None of the other kids wanted to talk to him. This old guy who was very specific, oh, only I three croutons this. on your salad, and none right. of the kids would talk to him. <laughs> and I did. And through that, he asked me questions. And he, who knew that he was this incredibly influential man right. who saw my potential, yep. gave me a grant for my final semester and called his buddy Fantastic. in South Bend to say, Love listen, it. she's green. She doesn't know what she's doing, but she's going to be great and she'll work hard. Give her a chance. The man created a position for me yeah. to learn behind the scenes. How do I edit? How do I shoot? How do I write? How do I do all of it before mm. I get on air? Love and that. then somebody called in sick one day and I had to go live from a Greek fest in downtown South Bend. And that was my first time ever on TV. And so TV. they're like, go, go with her, they're the like, cameraman or whoever terrible. it was. Right. Fire her now. <laughs> How nervous were you on a scale of one to oh, 10? Uh, a 15? 500. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I already talked too fast, as you know, which is another reason why it's crazy that I made it this far. Um, I I think I was talking at like right. the speed of light. Okay, so here's what I want people to hear. Because you and I are, in anybody in our world, we're freaks. 
according to the data. Yes. Because most people would rather die than give a public speech. That yes. data has held steady for decades. Yeah. So I would say a live media hit for most people, if we were to go survey people, it may be even above a talk. Oh, for sure. You think about it, just what it does to your psychology. Yes. If we took the average person off the street and said, go to the Greek festival and give me three or two minutes or whatever, they're dead. Dead. They're dead. Completely. All right. So I here's still, what I want them I to hear. I still have to work through that. All right. Do you really? Yeah. All right. Before we get it, maybe yeah, we'll get into that. No, no. I love this. Here's what I want people to hear. What was it like after that? Like, No, everyone was quiet. <laughs> oh, was, no. This is like, great. Crickets. Oh. You throw it back to uh, Bob and Sue in the studio, and you're there, and it's over. What was the well, mix? The I'm energy, guessing it was a cocktail. The energy was Give me just, the good and the bad. Um, immediately after the hit. Immediately, like, okay, I'm still alive. Yes. I'm breathing. This I love is good. this. And I appreciated the um, energy that was flowing through my veins, the Felt adrenaline. Good. It did feel good. And then I looked, and no one, and they were just like... <laughs> right. So I, I was I, I was so paranoid yes. of what they thought. Of yeah. course. And um there wasn't no one said much. Right. Here's the thing. I knew I wasn't ready. Of course. Of, but but you couldn't say no. But how much later was it before you got the next opportunity? They started to come again. This is a, a smaller town. Right. Without um there weren't many bodies. And right. so if someone was out So they on put vacation, you back on camera. Put me back on. Here's what I want people on. to hear really quick. We'll move on. I just want people to catch this. It doesn't have to be broadcasting or public speaking, but there's something about understanding that sucking for the first time feels better than you think it possibly could. And that's what I'm getting at. Sucking? You mean the moment feels good? No, no, no. feels okay, terrible. Like, <laughs> You're terrified when you were doing the hit, but afterwards, the energy that was running through your body, it's like, I did it. I survived. I'm, I'm not dead. Here. That's what I'm getting at. I want people just to embrace that fear when the heart is saying yes, the brain is saying no. Trust the heart because you're going to suck yes. the first time. But there's something exhilarating about Every realizing I didn't time die. time you push through that fear, That's it's a little bit better the next time. I was at the University yes. of Alabama a couple of weeks ago. Speaking, big deal. Big deal. Nick Saban, front row center, speaking to the football team. Probably with his reading glasses on. Notepad, he has resting scowl face. Uh, that's we, that's, that's the nice it, way. I'm yeah. putting it very nicely. <laughs> oh, I, I was so... <laughs> He told me, we met before, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to be there. Um, I have a prearranged, I'm sorry, I can't be there, but I'll watch later because we record right. everything. I was like, okay, good. He's not going to be there. Right, right. I walk in. He's there. Front row center. Legs crossed, ankles showing, right. notepad, just looking at me. And I'm like, can I quit? Can I leave? 100%. Can I leave? Oh, I was so upset. I was so upset. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to vomit again. And it took me back to South Bend, right. Indiana. You've yeah. been there. But I knew, what am I going to do? Walk off at that point? No. Either way, the fear has never gone away. Right. But I've learned to channel it. Mm. And now I thrive on it. Yes. Thrive on the fear. Yeah. It's cool. It's the pressure. It is. It puts you at your best. Mm -hmm. I love that. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life. And it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends. Or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, But you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out. And it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great 
to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. Okay, so you're at Small South Bend Station. Take me, let's go up the ladder quickly. Indianapolis. What is it? So you go to Indianapolis. Top which 25. Is top 25 market. Yep. What are you doing there? Sports for the first now time. Now you're doing sports. Now I'm doing sports. And now this is the thing. Yeah. 11-year-old Sage has arrived. You're doing sports doing professionally. Sports. It's a big deal. How long are you there before the next thing? Uh, 17 months. Where do you go from there? Tampa. Okay. This is where, if I if I remember properly, I was scanning Instagram, as we are known to do. And if I'm not mistaken, you and Shannon Bream, who is, yes. uh, uh, I don't know her well, but yes. we went to the same college. We oh, have yeah. a lot of mutual friends and we've been on each other's shows. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. yeah. You meet young Shannon Bream at that Tampa station. Yep. And, and I know bonded. her story. We won't yes. get into her story, but like she got, she was treated she horribly. She got killed there. And all I saw was this kind, brilliant, beautiful soul who left a six-figure job as a young attorney yeah. to go after her dream. Yeah. So we bonded, right? Over, you took her in. Is I, that well, fair? I don't, I think or at least she you exaggerated that. I, yes, I encouraged her because I know how a lack of encouragement yeah. um, affected me. That's awesome. Yeah, and and but we were friends. Yeah. I mean, we're about the same age and we right. were friends, so it wasn't like I took her. I had a little more experience. Right. I just saw her heart immediately yeah. and the other women at that station. Yeah. Shame on them. Good for you. I just wanted to point that out because we all need that. Yeah. And the, what I love about that part of the story that I'm bringing up, because I want our audience to realize, like, we're all on our own thing. And when we're aligned with somebody who may not be as far along as we are, you don't have to mentor them or be some know-it-all, but at least just love them. And I just saw that. Be kind. And I was like, way to go, Sage. Be kind. I love that you did that because she stayed with it. Now look where she's at. And she kept. And you had a role no, in that. Being told no. You had a role I, I in that. I guess. And I you think did. that because, because I, you know, the people who are most encouraging to me, they were all men. And even back when I was the only one and I was, you know, the fourth person in a three-man sports department because I was that bad. They're like, yeah, I guess she's on the payroll, you know. Right. Um, and I, so I think I, I can look back and, you know, and be um, proud of Little Sage, you know, early in my career when I was just so afraid yeah. and afraid of disappointing everybody and that I didn't, mm. this shyness didn't get in the way and, and I didn't quit, even though I really wanted to many times. I'm sure. All right. So let's get to, when do you get the call? How does the ESPN, the worldwide leader of sports, when does that happen? So I went from Tampa to the DC, Baltimore area. Okay. Um, Comcast Sportsnet startup. Sure. Um, and... I was three years in and I had one kid and then I had uh, a second on the way. I was like eight months pregnant and got the call to come up and audition. And listen, when you're that pregnant, yeah. <laughs> you have other things on your mind. Right. And so when they, during the audition, when someone accidentally rolled the tape wrong, you know, accident right. to see how you handle it. Right. Um, I'm like, really? Okay. Oh, I can handle this. And you right. just ad lib, whatever. That's the thing with sports. So much is ad lib, oh, sure. and there's no one writing your scripts. Right. If anything, you're writing your own, and which is how I want. I don't right. want anybody writing any of sure. my stuff. I came home, got the offer, and reviewed it with my husband, 
my parents and my agent at the time. And I turned it down. Really? Yeah. I, I again, was about to have number two, wanted four kids. And so I thought, and I, Stuart Scott, the late, great Stuart yes. Scott, was a, a, had become a friend of mine through our, our mutual agent. And he had pulled me aside at one point and said, listen, I know you want to come here. Everybody does, especially back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to be all in when you come. No offense. But like if you're still, you know, he is a father of two daughters. And yeah. so if you're if you're fighting through that um, and not able to focus because you're producing humans. Yeah. Um, it's going to be tough here. Yeah. And I loved his honesty. Mm. And I just knew that I when I go, if I get the chance, I got to be all in um, and try to balance it, obviously, as a mother. But when I'm in that, so I took a chance and my agent was like, are you insane? Right. Like ESPN doesn't need you. You need ESPN. Right. And you're saying, no, you're going to get blackballed. They're never going to call you back. Um, even my family was like, are you sure? Because the little, the little girl who's always had this dream, especially right. when she got to college, ESPN was the pinnacle. Mm. But I just knew through the lessons that my parents taught me, family and faith, uh, that you got to choose those first. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest test of them all up to that point in my life. Wow. So at that point, I was 31. And... Um, and I just knew that if I chose family, then everything I think would, would work come out. Back. And Love that. so I signed another contract, had a third kid, um, decided not to keep going with kids. And then uh, and then in 2007, they called back. So what was the length of time between you saying no to them the first time to getting the next call? Three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. That's major, major courage. And let me applaud yeah. you because that's conviction. I like just, some people thought you were crazy. Oh, yeah. We now know it was conviction. I and, so. Maybe and the I haven't conviction looked at that, that deeply. Maybe I need to look more closely at my mindset at that time. Because well, I've been on a hamster wheel ever since. I mean, where it's just go, 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 go. And now for right. the first time in my life, it's like, you know, quieting down. But but yes, I just thought if it's meant to be. I love that. And it is a faith thing for sure. 100%. Um, and I'm so much more comfortable talking about my faith now, which has been a huge blessing to find that courage. Right. Um, but I just said, if this is God's plan, I'll get the call back. Yeah. And if not, then I can live in the, uh, hello, an, an incredibly yeah. big market with big sports to talk about, yeah. have my kids. Mm. My brother was had just taken a job with the Baltimore Ravens. He's yeah. still there, 21 seasons. So I, for the first time in forever, had family around me. I'll be okay. It was a no-brainer. It really was. It came down to it at the end. Like if yeah. I'm going to preach family and priorities yeah. Yeah. Um, and faith, yeah. And it's yeah. not. And in my gut, I didn't feel I right it. about going to Bristol, Connecticut at that time. I, I got to live it. Well, Coach K's message on the basketball to my rights is follow your heart. You did. Yeah. And you continued to. All right. So wait, real quick. Yeah. Coach K, classmate of my father, is at Army. You know, I should have made that connection. So Coach K and my dad were were classmates. Um, this is back in the yeah. era when Bill Parcells was one of my dad's coaches. Yeah. Bob Knight was Coach K's Absolutely. basketball coach. All that. Graduated from high school, and I got a book in the mail from Coach K. It's that Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You'll Go. Yes. And that's in my office now. Oh, yeah. yeah. And by the way, Coach K, like, changed my diaper. Okay. I mean, way, way okay. too much information. That's a my major flex. We go. <laughs> I have a signed basketball, and you say, hold my, my beer. Right. Coach K changed my diaper. I mean, bad I can't visual, compete with that. Bad visual. I'm just saying that, like. <laughs> no, I think it's I, a great visual. <laughs> I could just see Coach, like, hand me Ew. the powder. Hand me the powder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here, Gary, you finish this. But That's great. he's always been an inspiration to me, the way he's lived I love his life, him. him as a leader. Yeah. And then one of my first sports interviews in Indianapolis, all those years later, the Final Four was in Indy 
1997 when I my first day yeah. ever as a sportscaster. And who gave me the interview? Yeah. The man who changed my yeah. diaper. Well, I have to say this since we're naturally here. If, if folks don't know my story, the very first interview I ever did was Coach K. I won't get into how it happened. You talk about a God thing. I mean, talking God moving multiple things. Yes. And then I end up sitting knee to knee with the guy. And when it was all over, he looked at me and he said, I got to tell you, he goes, I've been interviewed thousands of times. He goes, nobody has ever known my content, my book, backward and forward, like you know this book. And uh, at that time, he said, you remind me of a young Charlie Rose who went on to become a creeper. So I don't tell that story <laughs> as much because he wasn't talking about that part. But that was a moment when he said that. Oh. This is when the interview's over. And a dude who's like, I'm a pimple. Okay. Did he know it was your first? Uh, I don't know. I bet you didn't tell him. I'm pretty sure I didn't. Because I was already trying to get the Adam's apple back down to its normal place yes. just to make it through. But anyway, the point is, is he encouraged me. The Dr. Seuss book and what I'm telling about Coach Case, I want people to know that whatever said good, bad about the guy, I was a nobody. And he literally encouraged my heart. And that's when I knew, okay, I'm supposed to do this. I, I got what it takes because he looked at me and encouraged me behind the scenes. Yes. No cameras running. Yes. And years later, three years later, when I wrote my first book, one question, he gave me one of the greatest endorsements I'll ever get. So, I mean, the guy's the real deal. I just wanted Absolute to point real that deal, out. But I mean, what if, what if that hadn't happened? What More importantly, I think, because the interview happened for whatever reason. What if he didn't take the time to tell you that afterwards? He didn't have to. No. That's and that point. is stuck with you. And, yes. if, and if you get that endorsement yeah. from day one. I don't care what any producer says. Right, right. I just go, I know what Coach K said. Coach K likes me. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I love that. That's so That's so incredible. So again, I just got to point this out in the middle of this conversation. Be the Coach K for somebody. Yeah. Send the book to a young sage. I mean, that's just phenomenal. I just love that. Okay, so you're at ESPN. You finally go. You've made it. You're crushing it. You're really good. Okay. It, you, I was terrible at first, and it took years to. But, so, so, but, so but fast my point forward is, past the bad time. You're really good. You, the, 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 when I meet you on television, mm. which is always so weird. By the way, it's important to point out that we met at a speaking at a conference. We were both speakers, and we meet in the green room. And I'm everybody knows on my audience that I'm just a sports maniac. I just can't get enough of it. I watch it. I read it. I know what's going on. All the time. It's yeah. just out of personal hobby. Yeah. And so to meet you, I didn't know you were coming. And so walking in, I'm like, I, I, I know her, but I don't know her. And it's really fun, you know? And so 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 we, we connected. We bonded in the green room We bonded back there. in the green yeah. room, talked to all kinds of sports behind these. I interviewed her. I drove her nuts asking her for all the behind the scenes things. So just fun to kind of now get you back love it. in here. So I know her story. I know what she's gone through. If you don't know Sage's story, you can Google what's gone on with ESPN. I don't want to dive deep into all of that stuff because she's done that interview. She's talked about it a bunch. But here's why I want to bring it up. You're doing great. You're at the top of your game hosting the NBA Finals. I mean, you're you're a player. Everybody knows that you're legit. You make some personal comments, which everybody does. You didn't go out of bounds. You didn't do anything. And all of a sudden... You get attacked internally. And so what was maybe a dream job at some point becomes very toxic for you. And this is where this connects to our audience. Yeah. I talk a lot about the confusion that happens in our head and heart when we're doing the right thing, 
the thing we were born to do that God yeah. created us to do. And yet it's not in the right place. And, and I, and I, I've counseled 7,000 callers on the air and a lot of them have been in this situation that you lived right thing, wrong place. How confusing is that? So confusing. Like, what does that well, do? And it was very gradual. Yeah. Um, through years of a comment here, a tweet there, and I would get crushed. Right. And then, you know, boss is saying, Hey, I'm, I'm watching what you're liking on Twitter. And they right. babysit. They, you know, everyone's watching everything that you do. Right. And I was like, and, you know, yeah. I was very careful. I mean, I knew right. what I was liking yeah, you and knew not what liking. You were doing, and yeah. I, yeah, but I mean, I go back six, seven years ago, right. some of the comments from bosses and leaders and, um, and just how I would get crushed and all the name calling and all that from social media and, and they would stay silent. But if others who had different opinions got crushed, they would release statements right. <laughs> and, and, and support or defense of that person. And I, and then I, so then what happens is you, is you just stop. Like, never mind. I'll just, I'll just stay quiet. Right. And I did that and did it and did it for a long time, for a very long time. Did you feel lonely? Oh my gosh. I think that was the, that's a word that I try not to say cause it tends to make me get choked up. Um, but I, y- yes. Uh, like so lonely and right. so sad, especially yeah. because um, you know, as a new kid growing up all the time, moving, yeah. I know what that feels it like. It brought and so all that back. It brought it back, which I never actually put that together until right now. Thank you. It it did bring it back. I think not not trauma, which is more of a trendy word right now. Even no, though it's legitimate. Can I just tell you something? It was, it and was. you need to be okay realizing that. Yeah, I think so. But I, I also my therapist friends would tell me that. Yes, I I know that I need to go deeper there at some point. Um, but because I always felt lonely yeah. um, and different, right. I may, I wanted to make sure that anyone else, and especially young women who came to ESPN, my age, whatever, um, that if you're new, that they didn't feel the way I did yeah. when I started there. Right. When I started there, my kids were 11 months old, two and four. They're now 17, 19, and 21. It's bananas. And so I, I was a young mother sure. on this crazy national stage and then was so alone. Right. The women there were not welcoming right. at all. Right. It was very clear. Right. Um, and I just thought, I don't want others to feel this way. So then right. I would go out of my way to welcome them if you need anything and you know, right. come over for dinner. Very few would take me up on it and that's okay. But I just know no, that- No, it's not. And here's what well, I want to point I, out. I, I, don't, I, they, I don't know their why though, because I don't think sure. that, that sometimes there's maybe legitimate reasons as to why, but all I know is that I couldn't control that I could control yeah. the fact that I was trying to share and make right. them not feel the way I did. So then when that's a role reversal and then the world is caving in on you and all those same people that you've tried to right. uh, are nowhere to be found yeah. or vocally against you publicly unnecessarily instead mm-hmm. of having a conversation, that's where I felt so lonely right. because I thought, wait, I was doing the right thing with my heart, leading with my heart right. to make them feel more welcome yeah. and feel better in a scary time to come to that network is scary. Sure. Here's and what it I wasn't, want to point and it wasn't out, reciprocated. And I yeah. think that still. Yeah. yeah. But here's what upsets me. And this is again, for our audience, our greater audience there, they, they see themselves in you here in this right role, wrong place. This is on the leadership. I, totally. I understand your coworkers are hurting and they got their lives and they're probably scared to support you. There's all that junk in, in everyday office life too. Not Every just day, everywhere. Yeah. However, what bothers me, the loneliness, really is driven from the fact that you didn't feel your leaders, your bosses saw you, heard you oh, no. and cared for you. 
That's what I want to point out. And people experience that. So you're experiencing that. And I'm not trying to make you emotional, but I want people to hear how you dealt with that. How do you st- how do you hang on? Because you couldn't leave. You weren't in a position to leave, but you feel lonely. How do you hang on? What have, what have you learned? What's the mental toughness? What's the talk I, to I us? have learned that I am a lot stronger than I ever thought. Come on. Come like, on. That's good. Now I'm like, Oh, you want a piece? <laughs> Go. Here, I will I turn that. my back to you so you can stab me. Right. Go ahead. It's probably going to overlap with 50 right. other stab wounds. Right. Go. You've developed some scar tissue. Yeah. yeah. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Still hurts. Absolutely. And, you know, I've also found that I've been angry because of the hypocrisy. Right. Because this tends to come from people who preach about being open and tolerant and accepting of everybody, you know? Right. And so to me, all the DEI crap, right? Um, they're full of it. Right. Because they only use it when it applies to them. Right. To me. And it's inclusive is, if you're hanging out in the hula if, hoop with me. If you're saying what I want you to say today. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. Which is probably going to change tomorrow. Oh, sure. Right? So that's where I got angry. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. Right. You can't preach this. Right. And that be celebrated mm-hmm. for it as a company, as a person, as an honor. But then when it comes crunch time, because to me, it all begins and ends with diversity of thought. Right. And because this is easy, mm-hmm. this kind of diversity, right? But I'm talking about differing opinions and politics and um, based on usually your experiences. And, yeah. and you're going to cut me down or badmouth me or threaten me. Because I yeah. think differently, right. but you don't know my why. Right? Maybe. Well, we all have reasons as to why we have certain right. opinions, and you're just gonna. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got tired of that. Yeah. And decided to call it out. Yeah. But before you fought back. But before it, I fought back. So here's what I want people I to hear. Hide, Ken. I, I would really? hide, Ken. Really? Because you had hurt and anger. Yes. What would you say to people who are in a situation where they know they're in the wrong place? but they can't move quickly. This is going to take some time. And they're going, I don't know if I can hang on another day. I feel like you can tell them something. But I didn't know that I was, I wasn't, I was trying to hang, I was just day to day, like athletes. Literally here, day to day. Athletes. Well, that's good like to hear. Questionable, probable, day to day, doubtful. So doubtful you're psyching yourself up every night, every morning. Every time, because I was in terrible work situations. Right. Um, in particular, during my NBA countdown years and just zero leadership, zero accountability. Mm. literally heartbreaking many of them acknowledged it later too not in a friendly way or anything but how could you not um and here's the here's the thing i was the sole wage earner um my husband at the time was a a stay-at-home dad i had those three little kids he was incredible in that way Mm -hmm. um and if i don't push through we're gonna be on the street that's right so i had no choice yeah and i loved the dream and sports. I loved what I was doing, even if it was right. bad leadership and all that. So I had no choice. Would the pain go away when the lights came on and the and the mic yes. was turned on? That's what I want people to hear. That got you through it, a lot of it. I learned to become really good at compartmentalizing. Yeah. Which can be good and bad. Yes. Because then you can do it too much. Yeah. Only for a season. Yes. And good on it you. Toll. You finally um, said enough enough. And I did it enough. for years, years. How many years would you say it was like that? Uh... Started in 2013. Wow. Yeah. And for people who aren't sports fans or paying attention, I mean, she just settled just just a month ago or a few weeks ago. So it was a, that was a long journey, 10 years of going, ugh. And I didn't realize until recently how much of a toll it's taken. 
Well, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. What is it like on the other side? Uh, there's just been so much fear throughout the process. And then I, I remember, though, um, and then I was going through a divorce. Right. Along with this yeah. other stuff and COVID and all other things, yeah. right? Right. So I would, I remember getting texts from, you know, an attorney in a commercial break about the divorce mm. while I'm getting ready to interview Aaron Judge live, you know? Oh my um, gosh. Talk about confusion. Talk about compartmentalizing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's the only way you get through I it. was really good. But I knew that despite all the crap going on around me at work, forget yeah. about personal, which right. is a big deal. It's the most important one. Right. But at work, when when I was on that desk with Matt Berry in mm. particular, the best co-host I ever had in almost 17 years at ESPN. Love it. Um, a true teammate, which right. is all I want in life right. at work is teammates, right. for goodness sake. Is it that hard? <laughs> yeah, Apparently right. it is. Yeah. Um, and I loved what I was doing. I loved telling stories. I loved doing highlights. I loved the adrenaline that came with it. I mm. love the pressure. Yeah. And so I was able to put it all back here, maybe for just a 12 minute segment, check yep. my phone again. Oh, everybody's alive, mad, fine, keep going. Right. Uh, two hours live every day. It's yeah. a lot. Live national TV I every know. day. So I just was so afraid to stop and slow down. Yeah. And I, the best part about that time is my faith. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> I had to go all in. Yeah. And I hadn't ever had to. Yes, isn't um, that true? And between that and my parents, but there was still the loneliness, the fear, um, the pressure of having to support everybody mm-hmm. financially and emotionally in every way as well. And then the anger came. Right. I was broken. Right. Broken at the fact that yeah. my leadership chose. Yeah. They made decisions. Right. To not support. Right. Let's just that's the yeah. nicest way to put it. Yeah. Um, while choosing to support others yeah. who had not been nearly yeah. as loyal. It doesn't even really matter how long you've been there. Yeah. But I was that person oh, sure. who would give up anything except right. my kids right. for for this job. And to, I was a pleaser. Yeah. So to let go of when realizing that um I'm not gonna be able to please them anymore if I'm true to myself. Right. And stand up. I was I, I still struggle with the disappointment that I know people there are disappointed in me because if she had only stayed quiet, right, just stay in that box, hundred percent, you'd still be this yep. and that, and um, to let go of 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 that has been traumatic. A hundred percent. You know, I I cite this data all the time on the show. One of the top ten regrets of the dying, as, as related by a hospice nurse who wrote a best selling book on this, is. I regret that I didn't live yeah. a life true to who I am. Yes. Now, this is not this gobbledygook, snowflake, my truth, your truth. That's not what they're talking about. They're saying that they have tremendous regret that they did not do what they wanted to do. That's yeah. what they're saying. And you did. So here's what I, I want to stay here because the dream became a nightmare. You lived in the nightmare for years because you had to. Now... You're on the other side of that, and it's fresh. Raw. Raw. Talk to us. You know you did the right thing, yes? Yes. 100%. I yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. But now your future's wide open. I'm, I, I, I'm sad, though. Without a doubt. <laughs> it became I'm, a nightmare. Let's remember that transition. Dream to nightmare. That's to, confusing. To make a decision to sue the company that you're working for, the company that you love. Yeah. And while you're on air. While I'm on air. That's that was something it was that people... already bad. <laughs> did it go from frosty to frigid? The only reason it didn't is because of, of COVID. the loss. Oh, okay. And 
we were never back to kind of a full staff. And and then the studio is way over here on campus. The boss's offices are way over right. here. I had an office here I never went to. So you could zip in. I literally I... didn't see people. I would get there. We wrote at home through COVID. So I just continued that over the last right. year or so and just wrote at home and did everything at home. And I wow. drive in. I get there at about 1145. Walk inside, put a mic on, IFB pack, live at 12, off at 2, in my car at 2.05. Yeah, there's no so I didn't, team there. No, there's not. You don't feel you like don't. you're a part of something now. So I, 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 but, but it was probably a blessing. In this situation, yeah. I didn't have yeah. to see them. Right. And, and certainly no one made an effort to talk. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about this, Sage. Yeah. And that's okay, because that ship had sailed. And again, for someone, I, I had never really done anything litigious in my life. Even for my divorce, I didn't use an attorney. I consulted right. with one. Like, I've never done anything with attorneys. Right. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now I'm going to do this with Disney and ESPN. Wow. No big deal. Yeah, um, sure. But I knew at some point that, yes, for me, for how they treated me, and there was no consistency. And that's all I wanted. Be consistent with the rules. If you're going to allow some to speak sure. on our airwaves, have nothing to do with sports. And then I can't on yeah. a day off, on a separate podcast. Yeah. All I wanted is consistency. And, that, and then you right. can say but then you crush me and you punish me and you continue right. and continue. That was like, okay, enough. And I realized though that I wasn't alone. No. And so, cause I knew that I had other yeah. friends who were just silent because they're afraid. And, and I'm proof as to why people stay silent. I get it. I get the fear. I've lived it. Yeah. For me, there was just a line crossed. And I realized shame on me mm -hmm. if I keep this to myself, right. cause that means it's going to continue. Right. I don't know that I can change the company, change the world. Right. But I can change maybe for the next person, male, female, at my company who they choose to try to silence, maybe. Yeah. So it literally became, as I talk about this the last few weeks, I, my fear is that people think, oh my gosh, she's, you know, it's all about her and look what mm -hmm. happened. And it sucked. Yeah. But there's millions of people in all industries who have felt silenced, yeah. forced to comply right. with the mandates, et cetera. So I feel like I now know. Right. I've said this, it brought tears to my parents' eyes. I now know why God put me on this earth. Mm. And that is to stand up for others who are afraid because I lived in fear. Yeah. Like I know what it's all about and I just couldn't do it anymore. And you. now on the other side, it's raw, but I'm, I've never been more proud of myself, yeah. even though I don't like to say that because, um, because it would have been easier and safer and cheaper yep. to just shut up and be the good girl like mm. I always had been. Yeah. Um, but my dad at West Point and Coach K would tell you about this too. Uh, the cadet prayer. Yeah, love it. That we had to recite. Yeah. And this helped me make my decision. And the middle part helped me to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong. Yes. And to never be content with a half truth mm -hmm. when the whole can be one. And what's so powerful about that? I have goosebumps all it's over so me. It's so simple. Because it's to yourself. The half truth was you staying there. Yes at the worldwide leader of the behemoth. And and here's, here's beyond the pain, uh, beyond the emotions of uh, the sadness, the anger in the moment, now on the other side. And I know you, this may be hard to answer, but I know you trust me. So I want you to give it a shot. What are some of the positive feelings that are now on the other side of this? Because you're, I mean, just full disclosure, folks, she's not made any decisions no. about the future. She's just literally living right now. 
finally you... able to talk to Ken. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Finally yeah. able to talk. Well, to... things are clearly looking up now. Absolutely, yeah. obviously. But what what are you experiencing? I, I, even some of the bad, but they got to be a little bit different now that you're on the other side of this. Now I've moved on. I took the stand. I did what was right for me. What are you feeling now? What is the range of emotions now? Relief. Yeah, really. Yeah, um, because it's been exhausting. How has that affected your day. your sleep, your 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 interactions? Can you see a difference in yourself? Well, I almost am more tired right now because I thought I was going to get a break and <laughs> after it's all, all this ended. And yeah. then it was like, oh, you can't. You need to address this. I went on with Megan Kelly immediately. He's yeah. become a friend of mine. And so when I went on with Megan, oh, my goodness, you know, millions of people who'd never even heard of me who don't watch sports. Right. And so it was like, well, who? And it's blown up since then. And that's been a little, not scary, just maybe overwhelming because yeah. I, I think that because I was just living this little dream, this dream that I had as a little girl, I, I, I never have fully comprehended how many people watched. Oh yeah. It's hard to. Yeah. And it's better not to for me because right. then I would have freaked out. <laughs> right. I would pretend like that camera, the only one watching is my mom and dad. Nobody else is right. watching. Then you go to an airport and every right. bar and restaurant and you're like, Oh wait, I was just on right. there. Half right. An and you're really recognizable too. Well, if I would say if I had like normal hair, no right. one would recognize me anywhere. Right. Right. And then I'm tall. And so I kind of yes. stand out, but, um, so relief, um, peace, pride, pride. I like this, um, because there are so many people, well, like my attorney and others who are, are like, I'm so proud of you because not only did you make the decision to do it, yeah. you kept going to work Yeah, and putting That's your mug what... on that TV screen every day, knowing that people right behind in the wall, behind the wall, behind the wall. Oh yeah. Right there were hating me and, and wanting me to die. Social media, die, but. nastiness. Oh, the worst. Death awful threats, stuff. I read it. it. Yeah. I would read stuff in the comments of something you would say. I would see you would be trending and I would read it. And this is after having met you, spending an hour and a half with you in a green room going, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I hope she doesn't read this stuff. I read some to stay aware and to yeah. see and to just, you know, and then I, I've listen, I don't block anybody. Go for it. Say what you want. If that makes you feel better. Oh, yeah. Um, well, sure. I'll mute them because I don't need that energy in my life. Love that. And I choose not to, but Love I don't. It. It's a pride. I'm like. I'm the same way because blocking gives them some validation because they go, oh, I got to Ken. Got and it. they think they're so powerful behind the keyboard. They yeah, those never keyboard say warriors. any of that stuff to our face. Never, 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 never. Um, there is a little piece, um, but not quite yet because I'm still. I'm having to dive into a whole other area of this industry and to learn more yeah. and to create my own show. Is it what fair is to say like? there's a form of peace that you're no longer in that environment? Yes. But now we've I don't got, miss it. But now we've got some. Okay. Uh huh. The unknown is always terrifying. The unknown, but I've tended to do pretty well with the unknown. I think so. And and I don't. Again, I don't have that fear. I don't miss uh, right. the feeling I would get walking in there every day. Mm -hmm. I miss my co-host. Yeah, sure. I miss our camaraderie. I miss the chaos and commercial breaks where my, and I would be laughing so hard that my stomach right. would hurt every yeah. day. And then we have to come on and do a serious story. Yeah, but I love that. I love my team. I love yeah. the producers. I love the director. I miss my team. Yeah. I don't miss the environment. Feeling like right. um, the, the hypocrisy that resided every day and feeling like yeah. I had to just go along with it and I couldn't defend others. Mm -hmm. I, forget about me. I couldn't defend others. Right. Because I would tick everybody right. off. So 
is um, it there worth, is peace is it worth going through all the crap oh my gosh emotionally tactically strategically to get out of the wrong place that's what i want our audience to know is it worth it as scary as it is is it worth it to get out of the wrong place even though i don't know what's next absolutely yeah. i shudder at the thought of what if what if i hadn't i'll tell you this the night before the lawsuit dropped so april 27th 2022 i had to tell each of my children listen this is what's coming tomorrow um, I don't know how it's going to be received. Probably not great, but I don't want you to be blindsided by it. I don't want you to feel like you have to defend me. I had one in college, senior in high school, sophomore in high school. Right. Uh, the girls are on either, uh, they bookend my son in the middle. And they, the girls had very different reactions. Um, my son, who's more observant and a little quieter, and he's the sane one of the three because of the crazy sisters right. and the crazy mom. Um, I went down to his room and I was nervous to tell him. Um, and... I said, listen, this is happening tomorrow and I just want you to be prepared and I'm sorry ahead of time if this affects you. You don't ever have to defend me. Mm. All I want you to say is my mother has her own opinions and we all have that right. Right. And that's it. And I said, but I got to stand up. And my son put down what he was doing and looked at me and he goes, mom, it's about time you stood up for yourself. Ooh. Wow. My 17-year-old son, yeah, 18-year-old mm. son said, it's about time. Yeah. He had been watching and I had no idea. This right. this is where I get, yeah. he, my little boy was watching me yeah. um, take it. Yeah. Even though I was preaching to him right. to have hard conversations, to stand up, do it with kindness because yeah. I've always been kind. Yeah. No, people can say what they want. I, I've always treated people well and I'm proud of that. For my little boy to say it's about time, mm. I knew that no matter the result, honestly, no matter the result, that this is the right thing yeah. because I'm showing that my kids that if we we can be wronged and right. treated unfairly and all these things, but if we don't stand up for ourselves, that's on us. Yeah. It's not even on them anymore. Yeah. It's on us if we're going to take it. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm telling my kids to not take it and then I, I just go under the table because I'm scared yeah. because it's expensive, and I know that's a blessing to be able to take the risk, but I don't have an answer for tomorrow. Right. I do not. Right. But my kids saw their mother that's actually right. live it. That's right. And so no matter what, no matter what happens, if I end up changing careers altogether, I chose the harder right. Yeah. Oh, for me. So good. And for my family and my kids and my parents yeah. are proud of me. And I know mm. because I prayed this whole time and my relationship with God is better than ever. Mm. He gave me signs along the way when I wanted to run. Yeah. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I love it. I'll, I'll wrap it up. I want to give you a chance to talk about your faith because we don't shy away from it here on the Ken Coleman Show. Very open about it. Don't care what anybody thinks. Uh, we like to provoke thought and feeling here. What does your faith mean to you right now? Everything. Faith. I'm sorry, like everything. Because for so long I had to be quiet about it. Yeah. Um, it's okay to ignore your faith. You're supposed to ignore it as a member of the media. Right. If someone starts off their... their uh, press conference with first I want to thank God for that we'll edit that out God, you this know is America it. I don't understand you know it. that you, you edit it out um that's what has been done forever yeah. so mm. to be able to speak freely about it is mm. amazing I was asked in March to uh, give the invocation at the NASCAR race uh, in Austin and I'm like what you want me yeah to pray right out loud yeah on Fox right, TV right. and in front of 150,000 fans at this yeah. track. And I, I was like, no, 
I'm Catholic. We don't we don't right. pray out loud. <laughs> we we keep it all in. Right. And the I'm, good news is, is half of that crowd, if not seventy five percent, would identify as a Baptist. <laughs> Okay, this is true. And they're like, so they're come like, on, girl. They're drunk, and they'll pray along with you. Let's just be honest. I've so been good. to many NASCAR races. Love. I'm a huge oh, I've always been great. a NASCAR junkie since it's my indie days 30 years ago. The yeah. best. And so that was one of the biggest challenges I've ever been asked to do. And you talk about out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And so I worked on that for a month. Uh, it was 30 seconds. That was all I was allowed right, to do. Right. And I'm getting ready to be introduced on stage. Right. But I mean, the whole thing. And I was, this is in March. I was shaking. Oh, and right before gosh. I went out. You know, you don't have notes. This is coming from your heart. Sure. But you have Good bullet you. points and the right. 30 seconds are also Good cutting me you. off. And I went blank. And I was like, oh, oh, oh no, I can't go. Right. And my aunt has always said this to me. When you're in that moment uh, and you're fearful, which happens to me all the time, Jesus, I trust in you. Mm. So at that moment, I was about to vomit. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Exactly. And then I took a deep breath and I closed my eyes. I said, Jesus, I trust in you. And they gave me the mic and I walked out there. And I hadn't, it was gone. What I had memorized was gone. Yeah. I took a deep breath and I closed my eyes. Yeah. And it all came out. It's beautiful. Perfectly how I had hoped. Yeah. And I got off the stage and there were people in tears yeah. over what I had said. Oh, I love And that. drivers came up to me and wow. crew chiefs. And that's the first time I publicly yeah. had shared my faith in obviously such a big way. That was a turning point yeah. for me. And so I... What a blessing to be asked to shoot, to, to share that publicly. Mm. And especially because of literally being lifted off the ground, <laughs> I feel, oh, yeah. by God through the last couple of years when I was receiving death threats. Yeah. When my company completely, yeah. completely went out mm. of their way to not just punish me, but abandon. Right. Um, and so for me, I'm not here without God. And I'll just end on this. Every day from the moment my suspension from ESPN ended, my mom and dad were there through my dad's cancer treatments yep. and everything. They got in a plane to be with me mm. that day when I was going back to work scared, thinking everybody hated me. Right. And it was my makeup artist who's my best friend, and my mom and dad. My dad's like, huddle up, old football. Right. Huddle up. <laughs> we're going to say a prayer. Yeah. And every mm. day since then, we huddled up and said St. Michael the Archangel, which mm. is at, what said at the end of Catholic Masses, and it's sure. about protecting us from the wickedness and snares of the devil mm -hmm. and rebuke them mm. and stand in pride and humble... And every day from that moment on, when I drove onto that ESPN campus, before I walked in those doors, I called my mom and dad mm. and they recited that prayer, the three of us. Wow. And so I went in feeling upset a little every day sure. and fearful, but with that, like I had body armor on me because I knew mm. that my parents and God were going to protect me from the, the ugliness that was there. And I just asked to always, you know, exude the kindness that's in my heart and not let that penetrate me. And that. literally, it it has saved me. My mm -hmm. faith has saved me. And I've always had a faith, but never been comfortable speaking yeah. about it. Yeah. And here we are. Oh. And I'm I'm I feel so excited for the future, knowing that I'm going to be good either way. Without question. Yeah. A uh, couple things that I'm just learning from you. I have it in my head. I'm going to write it down in the old moleskin. What I learned from Sage today. Uh oh. When you're fearful. Be faithful. Yes. That's good. That's yes. good. I, I might want to take an offering. Uh, <laughs> I But it, that's the old preacher's kid in me. The other thing is, I, I just, what I'm learning today, and I want our audience to hear this, folks. Is this my camera? I'm looking at the audience for a second. Let me tell you what's going to happen here with Sage. 
because it's not about sage. It's I've just been around long enough. I'm 49. I've coached a lot of people. I know what's going to happen here with you, and I want them to hear this. Follow her. You'll hear this from her in the days ahead, and I want to make sure I'm challenging you to make sure you say it in the future with your public platform. But the best is yet to come for her because this was a season at ESPN Mm -hmm. and life is about seasons. And some of you are in a season right now where you just don't feel like you can make it any further. This lady understands that. I think she's encouraged you today. And I want you to hear this from my heart. You're in a storm and the storm passes. And when the storm passes on the other side, the sun comes up, the birds are chirping. It's a completely different perspective. So hang on yeah. because I'm telling you, we're going to see in your life and in your life, you're going to look back on this and go, all of that was really intentional and God allowed it. Allowed it. He allowed it because he was with you and you trusted him. He allowed it and it's all preparing you for the next season. I don't know what it is. You don't either, but I'm telling you, you'll look back on it and go, oh my gosh, I never saw that. And we can't see it in the storm. So I just want to speak that over you because I really believe that. And I believe it for these folks too. And and that's why I wanted you in. I wanted this conversation to happen because so many people feel alone right now. So alone. And that lonely, that's that it's got me brutal. choked up earlier. Yes. But I, I know that um, by sharing this, like this is my mission, hundred percent. Because it always will I don't be. have any more fear about sharing my yeah. heart. Oh, I love it. Every time we share, yeah. we bring others in. Hundred percent. You are not alone. Oh, Please, you are not yeah. alone. And reach out to me and to Ken. Because I don't want anyone to feel the way I did. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, this is this is a waste. Mm-hmm. This is a waste if we don't share it. Dig in. Get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And know that you're not alone. And and I feel blessed. And I mean it. Sounds cheesy. I've been chosen to go through all this to get here and then talk about it. I'm so glad you shared it with me. Thank you. Because this is going to touch for, a lot of people. For even wanting to. Of course. And to go with some of these tough questions because um, not everybody's not everybody's comfortable enough to do it. Yeah. Because well, of their own stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm so grateful yeah. that well, they've allowed me. You know, God has given both of us an opportunity to to speak and be who we are and there's a purpose behind it that's what the entire show is about it's what everything i do is about it's just discover who you're uniquely made to be and be the best version of that. that's a that's that's my whole jam and you're doing that and i'm so grateful and this is going to help a lot of people and you know we're cheering you on thank you from nashville and i can't wait to see what god's going to do with your life thanks you've touched Maybe a lot come of be people. your neighbor come on then i'll stalk you come on it'll be great it'll be great we'll talk sports uh but no i i i'm really proud of you and uh, glad that I, you know, I get to meet a lot of fun people, the work we do. I just do. Wow. And it's been crazy. I don't belong in any of the rooms I've ever been in. God has completely put me there. I'm a nobody from nowhere. And it's really cool to meet people who are the real deal and who live by conviction and faith. And you do that. So thanks again. Thank you. So Ken. fun. Thank you. I hope that conversation encouraged you and equipped you to move forward. We need your best. Hang in there. If you're enjoying this program, you enjoyed this conversation, would you support us by liking, subscribing, and sharing? We'll talk with you again real soon.